Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransombello. We were on the conversation of the New Covenant, and this is the third episode on the New Covenant. I showed you last Sunday how that the ministry of the law or the Old Testament which is made up of the law and the prophet revealed Jesus at the end of the day. The prophets were speaking about Jesus. For the Bible says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So if there is any legitimate prophecy, it is pointing to Jesus. I also showed you how the law was to unveil Christ, to make you see that you cannot keep the law until there is the coming of the Savior and the one who does that for you. Today we're going to take a text from 2 Corinthians very briefly, from chapter 3, from verse 1. We would begin from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, from verse 1. It says, do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Now stay in verse 1. The idea behind this conversation is that Paul, um, unlike the other apostles, had to bring letters and had to bring notes of commendation to give Credence to his apostleship. But Paul is saying, I don't have any letter. For example, if you go for an interview and you're probably not with a hard copy of your CV uh, and uh, um, maybe something, God forbid, not you. But the person who went for an interview for the sake of this illustration was robbed, not you. The person was robbed and they are asking the person, Where is your CV? The person has no hard copy. Of his CV. There is nothing that speaks about his qualifications or his credibility. So Paul is saying, compared to the other apostles who are requesting for papers and letters of their credibility as apostles, I don't have any. So Paul is saying, I don't have any letter of credibility. He's talking to the church now. So he says, do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need, as some others, epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Now see the, the, the next verse. It says, you are our epistle written in our heart, known and read by all men. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying that I don't have any letter to show you how credible my apostleship is. But when I look at your life, you are the credibility of my apostleship. So the words that I have spoken to you is my letter. That's what Paul is saying. So he's going to compare between the Old Testament and the New Testament from trying to show people and the writings or the people he's writing to 
that it is not by a writing of letter that approves who I am. It is the product of what has come out of me and what made you you that is my letter. So let's keep saying. Clearly, you are an epistle or epistle of Christ ministered by us. So Paul is saying, I minister to you and because you have been transformed, you are my letter. Written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh. That is of the heart. And we have such trust through Christ toward God. Now let's see verse 5. We're going to read the whole scripture, the whole chapter. It says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. Now hear this. If you are with the consciousness of a New Testament idea or mindset, you will come to realize that there is nothing about you that God wants to achieve that is by your power. So you are quick to give the glory back to him because you know the workings of everything around your life is not by your ability or by your performance, but by his grace. So Paul is saying that we are not sufficient of ourselves to think of anything. I've seen a lot of people who are very... Um, they're very self-consumed. Everything about them is about what they have achieved. They are the greatest perpetrators of hard work. When it comes to hard work, you will hear the best and the most from them. They will fight laziness. I understand that. But their hard work has become their idol. Their hard work has become their God. And they don't leave the space for God to take his glory and do what they couldn't do for themselves. I've seen a lot of people like that. But when you move from the idea, the spirit of the Old Testament to the spirit of the New Testament, you come to recognizing first that it is by his ability. Is somebody agreeing with what I'm saying? I know you read. You studied very hard. You came out with the first class. You passed your exams. I understand you read. But do you understand the part where God helps you to remember what you read? Do you understand the part where you ought to give God glory that is not by who come first? <laughs> because I've seen people who had things before, never thought they could lose it, but lost it after a while because they were trying to keep it by their own performance. I get them before, not be property. That you had it before. You have to leave the space to give glory to God because what you are thinking you have by your power can be lost in a second. So the idea of constantly giving the glory to God is important. We're not sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as of ourselves. Look at the man called David. He was very skilled with the sling. Practice as a Benjamite. And one of the ways you know a typical Benjamite is that they know how to use the sling. And they were in isolation for a long time, so they practiced using the sling. And the Philistines didn't practice their weaponry. So when David came with a sling, it was a shock to Goliath. Ah, Maybe I talked too fast and you didn't get that. I'm saying that God is hiding a portion of you that the enemy has no preparation for. 
Do you understand? Because when David came with a sling, Goliath knew how to do sword. He knew how to do spears and shield. That's his, that's what he's expert about. But when he saw somebody with stone and sling, say, who is this dog? Meanwhile, God hid David and his clan who are called the Benjamites. They were in isolation for a while. So that's their tradition to using sling and stone. But because it wasn't open to public space, Goliath had no idea of how the sling and the stone works. Now, you are doing your thing, your small thing, paro, paro, small, 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 in your little corner where you are. But you have no idea that the global standards and the global stage is waiting for you to show up. And when you show up, they have no preparation and come back for you. So what did David do? David who killed the lion and the bear in the wilderness. What happened? David showed up to Goliath. And he did not bank. He did not bank on his ability to killing the lion and the bear. He said, because you are uncircumcised. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine to stand against, not him now, to defy the army of the living God? He brings God in the equation because it's not about him because you thought you were fighting David but you were fighting God. Anybody who is trying you, you whose life is hid in Christ and, you're, and Christ in God, people who are trying you, do you know what they are trying? You are the one who is begging for mercy for them. Vengeance is mine. You are not the one to do vengeance. I will revenge. It's not your place to revenge. Vengeance is mine. And when God does vengeance, he does it well, though. God does it well. Please take me back to the scripture. Take me back to. So see what he says. He says, we're not sufficient of ourselves. Now move to verse 6. He says, who has also made us sufficient as what? I want you to read that part together with me. Made us ministers of what? The new covenant. Not of what? The letter, but of the spirit. Paul is saying that my, my validation is not that I typed a letter to show I'm a good apostle. My validation is that I minister to you and after I did that, the Holy Spirit had his work in you. Okay. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. The letter is the law. But if the spirit of death written and engraved on stones was glorious. Children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. See, Paul is comparing that there is two glories on this matter. The Old Testament was glorious. Don't be deceived. The Old Testament was glorious. When God handed the law to Moses, Moses came down with the, ta uh, the, 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 tables, uh, the table of stones, the tablet of stones, and he saw the people who had already despised God, built a golden image or a golden calf, 
And Moses took the tablets of stones and he broke it on the ground. So the first breaker of the Ten Commandments is the one who gave it. So before he said, thou shalt not, he broke it first. So this time, you know, the first one was God who used his hands to write it. You know, God wrote the second, he told Moses now that he would be a part of the carving of the stone. So the second one, because the first one was broken, when he went back up, God said, now you will use your hand to carve out the rock and form the tablets. And after he did that, God started to write on it. So you see how performance started from the beginning. He says, the glory of the old was so much that when people saw Moses, everybody was hiding because the glory on Moses' face was too much. Too much glory. But it was the glory of the law. It was the glory of performance. It was a government of death. It was a ministration of death. That when Moses appeared, Moses felt like, I'm the rainy thing in town. I've brought the counsel and the idea of God. And there was radiance all over glory. But see what Paul says. Move to the next verse. He says, how will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious? Oh, you don't understand. The ministry of the law, the problem with the law, why it is called the ministry of death, is that when the law comes in touch with a perfect man, the perfect man can't keep the law. So the law reveals sin in the perfect man. And when sin is revealed, sin has to be judged. And if sin is judged, the wages of sin is what? So that is what you call the ministration of the law. That how law ministers to you is it comes to you as perfect, holy, because it's of God. But you are not perfect. The human man, the human being, the human mind is not perfect. It stands before the law and it gets condemned by the law. And all of a sudden, condemnation and guilt begins to well up inside of you. And then sin is revealed and then there is death. So the law was supposed to do something good but can't achieve what it was supposed to do because it ministers death. Because you and I did not stand perfect before we came to Christ. But the ministration of the spirit does not bring condemnation. It is on the basis of mercy and forgiveness. The ministry of the law is on the basis of condition and actions. That you have to perform and do certain things. And if you don't do it, that same law will judge you. And if you are judged by the law, you can't stand the law. And if you can't stand the law, you're going to die. But when the spirit of God comes through the spirit of grace, he brings into you righteousness. He imparts into your spirit righteousness. So that what you are trying to get by keeping the law, the ministry of the spirit brings it to you. Oh, you don't understand. What the law is supposed to achieve when you have kept the law, which is righteousness, but self-righteousness is what the spirit of grace is bringing to you from the beginning.
So it imparts to you righteousness. The Bible says how much more we who have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life. So therefore, your righteousness is a gift. It's not something that you work for. This covenant is not a thing of performance or conditions. It's an unconditional covenant. So Paul is saying that if the ministry of Moses had some glory, how much more the ministry of the New Testament? The ministry of the New Testament is like sun. And the ministry of the Old Testament is like moonlight. When sun rises in the morning, the moonlight, you can't see it anymore. Because it's a fading glory. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? So we have come to the ministry of the new covenant. Now, how do you get saved? You get saved when the spirit of God transforms your spirit. It brings your spirit to become one with Christ. So that as Christ is, is who you are. So you are saved. Now, hear this. You are saved by the ministry of the New Testament. You are saved under the ministry of the New Testament. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you minister the New Testament even though you were saved by the New Testament. I wish you heard what I just said. You're born again. If you're preaching to someone having been born again and you are telling the person that on the basis of performance and on the basis of your actions, that is how God is going to respond to you you are ministering the Old Testament even though you were saved by the New Testament. So you are born again and that means that you were saved by the New Testament because you cannot be born again without the New Testament. You're not born again based on the blood of bulls and goats but you're born again based on the blood of Jesus Christ. So if you are born again, you are born again by the ministry of the New Testament. But it is possible for New Testament believers to minister the Old Testament. It is possible for New Testament people to minister condemnation. And that's what we have in our churches today. That we see people who are ministering to you the law. And they are trying to tell you until you get it right, God is not going to like you. But nobody or a few people like us are the ones shouting that he already likes you. What do you think the difference will be when you come in touch with someone you know doesn't like you? How are you going to behave? Talk to me somebody. How would you behave when you are coming in touch with someone you know doesn't like you? There is already a God. Are you getting what I'm saying? But how do you behave when you come in touch with someone you know loves you? You know, Bishop Wally told us there's a difference between Papa and Papa. Papa is the one who comes and you are running to. Papa is the one who comes and you are taking off. Are you getting it? But when you know you are loved, it changes your disposition. So, um, they were building skyscrapers and they said that if we put a net somewhere at the base, because people who were on the scaffold were falling from, from high, high places, dangerous heights, and they were dying. No matter what measures were taken, they were just falling and dying. So to reduce the rate of death, let's put some nets there. And when they put the net, they realized that the number of people who were falling reduced. Because once they were up on those dangerous heights, they realized 
that there was some sense of assurance they had that even if they fall, they won't die. And you know what that did? That made them not fall. It was a consciousness of safety from the beginning. The law gives you a consciousness of condemnation from the beginning. But he says that consciousness of condemnation from the beginning had glory. That if I preach the law to you, you will see the glory of God. And the, val- see, the validation, please hear this. The validation of what is right is not in signs and wonders. Because signs and wonders can happen under the law. Miracles can happen under the law. Moses who gave the law, who did miracles as much as Moses did? Do you know what it means to part the Red Sea? Are you joking? Have you stood in front of Babbage before at least? If, have you stood in front of Babbage before? Okay, you just go to Jabi Lake first. Let's start from where we are. Go to Jabi Lake and exercise your faith. If anybody's asking you a question, tell them Pastor Phil sent you. <laughs> but don't call my name if that thing does not divide. You know what it means to divide lake? The divided ocean, a sea. Have you seen miracles? Fresh food was falling from heaven every day. There was no microwave. Fresh quails and bread falling from heaven every day. It was still law. So miracles don't validate the rightness and the preaching of a doctrine. You can preach right, see miracles. Why would God do miracles? Because he loves his people. He will bypass your ignorance to bless his people. I said this in, in church. In you will, he will bypass you. You know how many things I preached before I came to TSP? The journey of doctrine that Pastor Phil has gone through. When we're preaching all kinds of things, we are preaching fire and brimstone. But guess what? God was still healing people because God loves people. If the ministry of death, oh my goodness, let's use Kai, let's use the message version. Let's look, let's see what the message has to say. I haven't really read all of it from the message, but let me just say, start from verse 7 on the message version. Verse 7 on the message version. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> Is it the government of death? It's, you know what, start from verse 6. <laughs> start from verse 6. He said, his letter authorizes us to help carry out his new plan of action. The plan wasn't written out with ink or paper, with pages and pages of legal footnotes, killing your spirit. Because when that law came to you, you look calm. You say, how many can I keep? Your spirit is weak from the start because you know yourself. It is written with spirit on spirit. His life on our lives. Kaya. Next verse. It says, the government of death, its constitution, chiseled on stone tablet, had a dazzling inaugural. <laughs> Moses' face, as he delivered the tablets, was so bright that day, that even though it would fade soon enough, that the people of Israel could no more look right at him than stare into the sun. Can I see level? Lord, I want the glory of Moses that people can't look at my face 
but will prefer to look at the sun than look at my face. In fact, you need sunglasses to look at me. Uh, God said, fading away. That thing that people could not look at. Somebody say, fading away. Now he says, how much more dazzling than the government of living spirits. Next verse. He said, if the government of condemnation was impressive, if that one impressed you, wait for the other one. How about this government of affirmation? You know what the government of affirmation is saying? That you are accepted before you started. That you are loved before you did anything. That he chose you from the foundation of the world and he loved you with an everlasting love before you showed up on the scene. It's called the government of affirmation. I am the loved of God. Hallelujah, somebody. I'm the chosen, I'm the favored, I'm the blessed of God. It's a government of affirmation. I don't need to perform. To obtain. It's a government I don't need to perform for my father to love me. So you can see the contrast between the government of condemnation and the government of what? Affirmation. Say, oh, they don't like me. Oh. Hmm. When I come to this church, it's only few people that like me. And those are the only people I talk to. That's why if you see me, I'm always sitting in this portion. I don't like to mingle with people because they don't like. Are you waiting for people to like you? When you've been loved by, by your father? Are you bothered that people are not liking you? Is that your conversation? Let's start with this. Do you know who likes you? Let's start from there. Do you know who is in love with you? Do you know who has affirmed you? Do you know who has given you pass mark before you started? The Bible says that he has made us accepted in the beloved. I'm not trying to be accepted. I am already accepted in the beloved. Now let's keep going. Bright as that old government was, it would look downright dull alongside this new one, Adabo Shatta. If that makeshift arrangement impressed us, how much more this brightly shining government installed for eternity? Hey, Kayambo Shakete Yaba. Is it with that kind of hope to excite us? Nothing holds us back. You, you don't understand. Now, he has moved from the ministry to the minister. The ministry is the one that the old brings law, death and condemnation, death and guilt. But the ministry of the new brings life. Then he now moves to the minister and says that the minister of the old was not confident about something. But we who are ministers of the new, we are bold. Now he says, unlike Moses, we have nothing to hide. Everything is out in the open with us. He wore a veil so the children of Israel wouldn't notice that the glory was fading away. Bible. A Bible that they show you. 
So Moses put that veil because there was something to hide. Maybe the next morning when he woke up, he realized that this thing is shining, but it's not. The dry cleaners have tampered with my glory. Who has touched my glory? Who has, hand, who has malhandled my glory? Look at your neighbor and say, leave my glory alone. So, the dry cleaner is the law. Are <laughs> you still here, somebody? The law is the dry cleaner. Now, okay, there are many there are, there are dry cleaners here, so let me... Let me. I mean professional dry cleaners. I don't mean hand wash. I mean, let me use another terminology. Help me now, help me. The washer. The washer is the law. The washer that fades your glory. If you keep looking at the law, your glory will keep going down. You think that your flesh is excited by looking at the law. It is a fading glory. Moses woke up one week after he saw that 1,000 watts has become 900 watts. What's happening here? Two months later, 900 watts has become 250 watts. You know what he did? He said, no, I had level. Moses said, when I came, everybody was running away looking for the sun instead of my face. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put something here so that they will not know it is fading. So that when I appear, you will still give me reverence as if I still had it. I get them before, not be property. I had it before, does not mean I still have it. Fading glory. Now look at the next verse, verse 14. He says, and they, did, did, they didn't notice. They didn't notice it then. And they don't notice it now. Don't notice that there is nothing left behind that veil. Light don't finish. There's no more light. That if you want to expose Moses, just lift up the veil. And you will see what used to be like the sun. Is <laughs> worse than this iPad. What used to be like the sun is like an insulating light or insulating substance or surface. No light again. Leave the fading glory alone. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying now? What is the fading glory? Anything that beckons on your performance, anything that beckons on your ability outside the ability of Christ that makes you guilty, that makes you condemned, please, is somebody hearing me? Anything that makes you feel sad. Now, hear this. There is a difference between discipline and correction and condemnation. Condemnation is the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, there is discipline in the New Testament. And discipline is saying that I will make you better and who you already are without passing a sentence at you. But condemnation is saying I'm not giving you any chance to repent. That is, you stand in no ground, in no place to say, Lord, help me. There is nothing like, Lord, help me. What I see, I judge. And what I have judged must die. It doesn't give chance for repentance. But in the ministry of the New Testament, there is chance for improvement. That he already gives you a status of righteousness. And then you are matching who you already are. Without a sense of condemnation. Are you getting what I'm saying? So the, the spirit of the New Testament is always saying you can do more. You can do better. It doesn't condemn you. If you feel guilty, if you feel condemned, you are under the old. You have put yourself under the old. 
Move to the next verse, please. Even today, when the proclamations of that old bankrupt government are read out, they can't see through it. Only Christ can get rid of that veil so they can see for themselves that there is nothing there. Next verse. Whenever though they turn to face God as Moses did, it means Moses was double standard. Moses was double standard. You know what Moses did? He gave the people the law, but he was living with grace. See there. The Bible says that he made his ways known. No, he made his acts known to them, but he knew the ways of God. Moses knew the ways of God. He knew God was a gracious God, but he was telling the people the law. And that's what many people do. That's what many preachers do. That's what many believers do. When they are the ones who are wrong, the grace of God. When others are wrong, you will die by what you have done. You must be punished for, so you like grace for yourself. But when you are talking to somebody, you don't give the person grace. God punished the devil. How did I know that Moses knew the grace of God? God one day said, these people are stiff-necked. I'm going to just wipe them off. What did Moses do? Moses prayed to God and said, God, don't wipe them off. And God, God repented because of what Moses said. Have you not seen that in the Bible? So if Moses, who was the giver of the law, knew that God was different from what he was showing the people, it means he was double standard. It's as Moses did. God removes the veil and there, and there they are face to face. Let's see the next verse. Then suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. That's not your God. Next verse. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We are free of it. You are free from the law. You are free from accusations. Please hear this. I, I, I don't know who I'm speaking to. You say, Pastor, I have done stuff. He has also done stuff for you. And what he has done outweighs what you have done. Because we're talking about the speaking blood. Ooh, next Sunday, I'm going to talk about the blood of the new covenant. Let, let's leave that. But we're talking about a blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. It's beyond your accusation of yourself. Moses was not bold, so he had to hide with a veil. Because he saw the glory was fading away. But if you look at you and I, he says, we all. Move to verse 18. <laughs> Go back to the King James Version. Okay, let's stay here. It says, all of us, nothing between us and God. Our faces shining with brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah. Go back to the King James Version. Let me show you something. King James, on this verse 18, Moses put a veil to hide something, but it says, but we all, with what? Unveiled face, beholding, oh my God, it means that we are confident, 
we are bolder because the ministry of the New Testament makes you bold. You could not be bold in the Old Testament. Confident about what? That you did what? That you got what right? You can't get anything right in the, New Test- in the Old Testament. No, you don't. Go back to verse 12 on the same King James Version or New King James Version. See verse 12. It says, therefore, since we have such hope, we use great, somebody say it with me. What is there written there? He said, we use what? Great boldness of speech. That is, you are not like Moses who is trying to hide. You are not like Moses who is not confident. Because you see the glory is fading, but we with unveiled faces, we are bold about it. What does this mean? It means you are bold about the promises of God. How can you be bold about the promises of God? It has to be on the basis of mercy and the basis of the new covenant, not your performance. I was sharing with them in Lagos and I told them, I said, you know, none of the um, Israelites or the Jews could say amen to the blessing. They couldn't say amen to the blessing. They could only say amen to the curse. I showed them. Can I show you? I'll show you. Deuteronomy chapter 27 verse, let's start from verse 15. Deuteronomy chapter 27 verse 15. Yeah, that's it. It's a cursed is the one who makes a carved and molded image, an abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsman, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say what? Wow. <laughs> Everybody just left Pastor Phil there. Nobody said amen. When the word cursed is mentioned, you'd have no choice but to say amen in the old. Next verse. I mean, it may not be literal blindness, but just because you know someone doesn't know something, you allow the person just go. And you know the, you know the defense? I, I, I'm not the one who told him to go. But you could have stopped him from going. And all the people shall say what? Amen. Don't worry, don't say. Curse is the one who perverts the justice due to stranger. The vatherless, the widow. And all the people shall say amen. They have to say amen to the curse in the Old Testament. Next verse. Curse is the one who lies with his father's, oh my God. Father's wife because he has uncovered his father's bed. And all the people shall say amen. Amen, amen, amen to the curse. Move to chapter 18, verse, start from verse 3. Chapter 18, I mean chapter 28, verse 3. The next, the next chapter, chapter 28, verse 3. It says, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Full stop. No, amen. <laughs> so wait now. <laughs> in that time, they couldn't say Amen. Because if you say blessing, there is no operational principle for a blessing. Old Testament comes with these conditions. That blessing you're saying amen for is something you have to work for. For if you keep my commandments, then you will get it. But if you don't keep it and you break one of the law, full stop, there's no amen. Next one. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your hearts, your herds. The increase of your cattle and the offspring on the flocks. Full stop. No amen to the blessing. But you see, when the Bible switches the tides 
And Jesus comes through his death, burial, and resurrection. And he says, for all the promises of God in Christ Jesus, they are yes. And we say amen. It tells you that your amen is costing something. Your amen is expensive. This amen we're shouting right now. For, let's, let's, let's do a try. You are blessed above all people. They couldn't do this in the Old Testament. Because there was no blood that could speak. We are blessed under the new covenant. So it says with great boldness of speech. We affirm that everything the promise says about us. We are bold to say it is mine. You are bold to declare it is yours. Are you doubting your victory? I'm asking you a question now. Are you doubting your victory? On what basis? On the basis of the new covenant. On the basis of the principle that works. So you affirm what you already have. I am blessed of God. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5. says I will never leave you nor forsake you. Then verse 6 now says therefore we will boldly say. You boldly say it. The Lord is my helper. What shall man do to me? You wake up in the morning and you are bold about your declaration. Why are you bold? Because you have nothing to hide. Why are you bold? Because there is no veil standing before you. Why are you bold? Because you know that your glory is not fading glory. It is ever increasing glory. For the Bible says that you are transformed into the same image from glory to glory as by the spirit of God. It means when I see you this year and at the end of the year when I look at you, you are not going to be where you are right now. Because it is an ever increasing glory. I say yes to my victory. I say yes to my productivity. I say yes to my healing. I say yes to my victory. I say yes to my productivity. I say yes to my healing. Are you moving forward this year? It is a bold yes. I'm not in doubt about it. I'm confident because there is a covenant that is working on my behalf. Show me the next chapter. Chapter 4. Chapter 4 verse 1. King James chapter 4 verse 1. Look at it. Look at what it's saying. Chapter 4 verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1. Chapter 4 verse 1. Move it quickly brother. It says therefore since we have this ministry. Which ministry? It's the ministry of the New Testament. As we have received mercy. We do not lose hearts. That is when the trying times will come. You are not discouraged because you know it's not on your performance. You are not weak. You are not saying God how can I? It's not about how can I? It is what he has done. So you don't lose hearts. You don't get discouraged. Weeping may endure for the night but joy comes surely in the morning and for the one who is a believer the one who is a child of God, the one who is blessed by God, there is no discouragement that can pull you down there is no disadvantage with the believer other people may have disadvantage but you can never be disadvantaged never do you know what it means to suppress the blessing Runo no matter how you try to put a balloon that has air inside of it inside water what would happen it would bounce back it's bouncing back not because of the texture of the balloon but because of the air inside the balloon you you, you have eternal life oh you don't you don't you don't hear what i'm saying the, the more they pressure you 
you are the one who will choke the pressure. You don't understand what I'm saying? You will be the one to choke the pressure. You will be the one to choke the pressure. We choke poverty out. You will choke discouragement out. Because the blessing is inside of you. This is how the New Testament works. It is on the basis of the performance of Christ. So therefore we don't lose heart. I came to speak to every heart that feels condemned. Please hear me. Every heart that feels weak. Every heart that feels tired. Every heart that feels discouraged. I wanted to hear this. That there is something inside of you. That your sufficiency is coming from him. And not of you. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessel. That the excellency of the power may be of God. And not of us. That when they see your outcome. And they look at your activity. They can match the two. Because something more is happening. From the little that you are doing. The prophet said to the woman. Go borrow vessels and borrow not a few because the life in this oil is never going to run dry I came to tell someone here this morning that what you have on the inside of you is for the healings of the nation it's never going to run dry say oh pastor I've been broke before I know what it means to beg I know what it means not to have but hear this since I was born and now I'm getting older I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread welcome to the season of the abundance of the New Testament welcome to the season of the blessings of the New Testament you will not beg for bread I don't know who I'm talking to here but I said you will not beg for bread if you are the one I'm talking to shout yes somebody no there is no begging for bread hey victory all the time blessings all the time rejoicing all the time dancing all the time why are you cast down oh my soul rejoice in the Lord I will yet praise him for he is the help of my countenance is the release of my faith I'm not tired of where I am all I need to do is just keep walking just keep moving because at the end of the tunnel it is breakthrough and blessings wave your hands everybody shout hallelujah breakthrough and blessings who is ready to celebrate in this season here who is ready to dance in this season here who is ready to rejoice in this season here who is ready to give God praise in this season here who is ready to bless God lift your voice and shout lift your voice and shout lift your voice and shout this concludes this message Thank you for listening and for more information about The Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.